0: Hello
1: everybody and welcome to another edition of Dice Tradecast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by our friends over at Blue Wire and the Rotoviz Radio Network. We are another week closer to the NFL draft. We have not one but two shows between the time of recording and the NFL draft being on your television screens, your radios if you're still living in the 1940s. <laughs> and tonight I am reunited with my good friend Dan Seno. Uh Dan, I, I, I don't want this to come off bad, but you're, you're you're a little whiter than I would expect a normal person coming back from Disney would be.
0: Well, I just put up a massive new TV slash monitor that's got a white screen on it right now, so it's projecting off pretty light. <laughs> Plus I have some white lights behind me as well. So uh, it's a little bright in this room, but yeah, I definitely caked on the the SPF 30. Uh, I've been done in poorly by the Florida Sun in the past when not preparing my skin for it so i figured this time i would just cake on the sunscreen and and uh, make sure i came through without third degree burns
1: that sounds like a good idea now with just two weeks to go before the nfl draft we have you know some might say we play the hits at the Nice Tradecast, um, but the hits are the hits for a reason, Dan. So That's right. We have our, our, our segments that we uh, do every year, and this one, the, the two-weeks part of the NFL draft, we normally do what we call a Rookie Mock Matrix. So, so for those that are unfamiliar and new to the show, Rookie Mock Matrix is when we draft the previous— class so in this case the 2020 class mixed in with the 2021 class kind of giving you a general scope of, of how we're feeling about the young players in the NFL one year into their NFL careers plus right before the NFL draft and obviously with right before the NFL draft a lot of these I'm sure if we listen back to them you know four weeks later they end up being really bad because we ended up taking like <laughs> CEA I mean I, it looks good now but we probably took CEA at to, like the end of the second round in this last year <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, pre- no, before we knew where anyone was going, it's, it's hard to predict the future. We have to go basically stri- strictly on talent. So, yeah, it's it's uh, and maybe there's a couple of them that look halfway decent. But I would guess for the most part, our uh, pre-draft draft doesn't uh, exactly go very well as far as rookies are concerned.
1: Yep. But we still do it anyways for the fans. That's right. Um,
0: for the people. And
1: so we are doing it starting now. And so I'm going to get us started with the rookie mock major. Oh, one thing to preface our show at this time: we've we've gone back and forth on deciding whether we want quarterbacks in this draft or whether we don't, because we feel like if we want if we do superflex and it's quarterbacks, the first round is going to end up being like six quarterbacks most years. So that kind of ends up being a little bit boring. We'll we'll talk about quarterbacks separately in their own right, separating between Herbert and Lawrence and things like that. But for now. We're basically calling this a one QB mock slash we're drafting running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends in the order based on 2020 and 2021. So I have the first pick. And without further ado, I select with the first pick in the rookie mock matrix, one C.D. Lamb. See, Lamb is a guy who in the one quarterback format I value as the 101 or 102 right there with, with DK Metcalf. In his rookie season with mostly Andy Dalton, he had 74 catches for 935 yards and 5 touchdowns. You know, decent numbers for a guy who's playing with one Andy Dalton. And now he has one D- Dak Prescott who he was great with before the injury, and Dak Prescott showed how electric that offense can be when healthy. And so, assuming healthier I don't really see how C.D. Lamb's not a top five dynasty wide receiver for the next several years.
0: Yeah, I think the big concern for most people was where was his volume going to slot in on that offense? Um, A a team that had plenty of talent already and then got just a significant upgrade somehow at the wide receiver position when they already had Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. Uh, All three of those guys played 16 games last year. They all had over 100 targets cd i mean he did pretty much everything you could ask of him with his 111 targets he had 74 catches 935 yards didn't have quite the touchdown numbers we would like to see with only five but again like you mentioned only five games with Dak prescott but in those five games electric as were amari cooper and michael gallup so honestly I, I see this trio continuing to probably average about 110 maybe 120 targets per I would hope to see CD overtake Amari in the target share lead, but I think those two come season's end will probably be right in that 130 target range each. And then you'll see Gallup probably in that 105 to 110 range. We'll see if the tight ends play a role in that, but I can't imagine with those three healthy and Dak back on his game, that there'll be much underneath stuff that Andy Dalton was targeting and short easy throws that was being used uh, early and often.
1: And with as good of a rookie season as he had, he does have um, some nice comparables in the matching players for the range of outcomes up. His top comparable to me, not the best 2018 Kiki Kuti, um, but the ones that are good, 2017 Cup, 2015 Diggs, 2012 T.Y. Hilton, 2014 Jarvis Landry and uh, 2019 DK Metcalf, so some very nice comparables in that profile based on his 2020 production. So that combined with the return of Dak Prescott and just the fact that I don't I don't see that the, the these two separating in the near future makes him the top dicey asset in the last in the last two classes in one quarterback format.
0: Yeah, it's a toss up for me. I love the guy that I was able to get it to, but CD is one of those guys that you know the the college film mixed with the stats from college now with the pro film and the pro stats, it all lines up. We saw a superstar. We thought we were getting a superstar. He proved it to us that he was that guy and he's only going to get better. He's still young, uh, in a dynamic offense now. So, uh, only, only bright, bright, bright future for, for CD here. And, uh, you definitely can't argue with him at one. I, I, I can't imagine anyone really staking that claim. I know there's a lot of Jonathan Taylor truthers out there too. um, But in my opinion, the only argument would be the guy that I took at number two, uh, one Justin Jefferson out of LSU currently with the Minnesota Vikings. And with that, I've been kind of on the the Jefferson bandwagon. I had him really high up pretty early on just because of, of what I saw from him that, he on the field, just his composure on field, I felt was was something that I haven't seen. And again, for anyone, anyone listening that maybe uh, wasn't sure, I, I am from Minnesota. Every game that's on, I'm not necessarily a Vikings fan, um, but I get to watch all of them. Uh, and I haven't genuinely seen someone on the field, aside from Diggs, really do much for me on field since Randy Moss. So I I get, I was really lucky to see Justin Jefferson with an absolutely monster season breaking all sorts of records. And it wasn't like he just went into uh, a spot where he was, he was just thrust in as the lead guy. There was still plenty around him to draw targets, to steal volume, but he's the alpha. He proved it as a rookie. He went, he went to just, like I said, he had a massive rookie season with 88 catches, 1400 yards, seven touchdowns. Adam Thielen did a lot of the, the touchdown getting uh, for the Minnesota Vikings. But uh, again, that's a, that's a strong uh, wide receiver to there as well. Not, not quite the three wide receivers that we see in Dallas, but Justin Jefferson to me um, is, I mean, he, he's arguably the most talented uh, wide receiver of any of these guys, but we don't know where Jamar Chase has landed yet. And we thought Jamar Chase was better than Justin Jefferson at LSU. And we see what Justin Jefferson just did as a rookie. And I, I'm genuinely excited to see what Jamar Chase will do. But yeah, Jefferson at two here for me.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely where he belongs. I, I, I said that Lamb is my number one or two, you know, going back and forth to Metcalf. And I would have Jefferson three or four going back and forth with um, who am I Viking on now? Oh, A.J. Brown. M- but my only you know counter to this would be is is this Vikings offense going to be aggressive enough? Are they going to be pass heavy enough? Are they going to continue to give the ball to Dalvin Cook in inordinate amount of times? And talking strictly from a comparison like uh, of Lamb versus Jefferson is. Kirk Cousins is not as good as, as Dak Prescott, so uh, there's some concern with the pass volume. Not a not a ton, because at the end of the day, he's the number one receiver there, and he's going to get the targets. But he, he I don't think he checks as many boxes as Lamb.
0: See, I'm not I'm not as concerned with with him getting volume because I think he's going to continue to do whatever he wants on the field with the volume that he gets. I think even if he does only continue to get that 130 target threshold. I, I still think he smashes. He's going to have 80-plus catches every single season. He's going to have 1,200 yards. Hopefully, you see, we see the touchdown numbers continue to thrive. But again, with with a back like Dalvin Cook, you've got now emerging Herb Smith. You do still have Adam Phelan, uh, who's going to get some of those looks as well. But uh, it's, you know, it, I, I loved C.D. I still do. I still think he's he's arguably, you know, the best young wide receiver in the game. Uh, it's a it's a complete toss up for me. I, I think they're both very very similar.
1: All right, let's move on to my pick, which is going to be the first running back off the board. We're staying in the twenty twenty class so far, and it is one Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor was my one hundred and one this time last year, and he didn't really do much to prove he shouldn't be that. It was just that Lamb and Jefferson were that good, so with me getting him here i i don't really see an argument against him i uh they they re-signed marlon mack i don't think that really matters that much but with uh carson wentz at the helm i think that they're that he's going to use taylor out of the backfield a little bit along with obviously Hines is still there but yeah jonathan taylor he is an absolute stud um <laughs> some of his comparables on the range of outcomes app are not great. Um, 2013 Eddie Lacey, 2017 Leonard Fournette, 2015 Gurley. Oh, 2015 Gurley, that's good because Gurley didn't die until a few years later. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then 2011, Marshawn Lynch. So obviously had a good enough season to have some decent comparables there. And that offense, it it will be a bit boomer bust, but it won't be because of Taylor. Like, Taylor's going to be fine, but if it booms, Taylor might end up being like a 11 to 14 touchdown type guy, which that, it, that that's putting a lot of faith in Carson Wentz. But Carson Wentz is a low floor, high ceiling play.
0: For sure. And I think if Taylor can get some of Naheem Hines' target share out of the backfield, uh, maybe push the 50 to getting a little greedy, maybe 60 targets um, while Heinz is still in Indianapolis. Uh, I think that would really bode well for Jonathan Taylor. And I think, you know, at, at the year at the year's end, we might have Taylor at the top of this list. If he can start getting, getting 60 plus targets out of the backfield, again, not, not the best thing in the world to have Carson Wentz, but it's certainly better than Phillip rivers. So uh, we will definitely take that. I have no issue with Jonathan Taylor here. I, I think, Uh, I think there's a tier with the two wide receivers and then it's Jonathan Taylor on an island by his own and then I think a lot of these guys after Jonathan Taylor you can kind of mix and match I don't know if there's really if there's really chalk after the first three I know there's a lot of folks that ride really hard for the the running backs in this class and you know the the next few picks will probably will show that a little bit but At the same time, I I don't really think there's a big difference between them. And I think Jonathan Taylor is for sure the RB1 um, from either class.
1: Yep, for sure. Let's go to your next pick.
0: So at four, I went DeAndre Swift. Uh, Like I just mentioned, I I think Taylor is on an island at three in his own tier. But I I don't think Swift is really super far behind that tier. Uh, I am very worried about the Detroit Lions offense. They're not going to be much better in the next year or two, and
1: it must fields. <laughs> so,
0: so if that's the case, that changes things. I would I would imagine because they're eating so much of Goff's contract that they'll it'll probably be at least one more year before they get a quarterback, uh, unless they can find a way to redump that salary. I, I don't know if that's ever been done or if it's even possible before like July. But yeah, with, with Swift. Uh, I think he'll find you know some some tough sledding with teams essentially game planning for him because who else do they have to stop? TJ Hawkinson, who's probably going to play seven games this year. Jared Goff, who is is dog water. Um, I mean, they'll probably add a, a wide receiver, maybe two. Obviously, right now, I think their wide receiver one is is Cephas. I would imagine he's the only guy left on that roster. It, it's interesting. So from a sheer volume perspective, Swift should smash volume. The problem is how good is his volume? What, what quality, you know, what, what are the reasonable outcomes with a ton of touches in a horrible offense where one guy is going to be focused?
1: This is legitimately the reverse CEH from a year ago. Yeah. A year ago, you had to talk yourself out of CEH because his offense was so good. And now you have to talk yourself into Swift because his offense is so bad. Um, and, and the, and the same thing, CH, his offense is going to be good for the next 15 years it, outside of, you know, something crazy having to Patrick Holmes. And with the Lions, you do have to paint some sort of a picture in order for them to get a quarterback, which is, I guess, just them being really bad in 2020. But that's one year is a long time for a running back. So if if you're counting out this year is OK, Swift's going to be fine. He's going to be like an RB, like 14 to 18 range, which that's probably about where I'd put him in a bad offense. Um, so you're kind of you know, treading water for a year with the Swift, but the ceiling with the fields or the ceiling with the Sam Howell is top three overall running back.
0: Yeah, I think if we can if we can just get through this year with Swift, you'll still see the talent. The talent will shine through uh, like it almost always does. But one of Nathan's favorite sayings, talent always wins out. Which is almost always is, is, the case. Is that,
1: is that one of my swings? I didn't even uh, know.
0: You've said it <laughs> plenty of times. Uh, and it's, it's definitely in the case uh, a significant amount of the time. But hopefully this isn't one of those cases where it isn't. Because I, I do genuinely think that Swift is, I mean, arguably the most talented running back on this list. He just happens to be in probably the worst spot he could be, aside from maybe the New York Jets.
1: All right, next we'll go. So, so far, one, two, three, four, all 2020, CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Jonathan Taylor, and DeAndre Swift. So, Dan, that means it's time to dip our toes into the water of the 2021 class. That's right. I am taking a rookie. I am taking the man who is going to be taken in the top six of the NFL draft, and it is one Jamar Chase. Uh, Jamar Chase was better than Jeff- Justin Jefferson in college the last time both those two played college football. Um, Jamar Chase was one of the best wide receivers we've ever seen on the best offense we've ever seen. So there's a lot of things pointing the correct direction of Jamar Chase, including the fact that he is going to be picked as a top six pick almost guaranteed at this point. So yeah, I'm all aboard the Chase train here um when when you put him into a sixth overall draft pick on the box score scout that's going to load up in a second but dan so what are your your thoughts on chase here do you think this is the right spot for him a little too high a little too low what do you think uh
0: if you didn't take him i was going to i think i think this is kind of that that gap where you could start to slot in some of these rookies i think chase uh is i I wouldn't say he's necessarily consensus one-on-one But I think among the folks that have been on Chase for a while, he certainly still is 101 um, from a rookie perspective, obviously. I think you could could maybe make the case for Najee Harris here. I still think there's uh, at least one, if not two, sophomores better. But I I really do like Jamar Chase here, like we talked about earlier with Justin Jefferson. We got to see those two play side by side, got to see how good Justin Jefferson was. But every time you watch Justin Jefferson at LSU – all you could see was Jamar Chase flying off the page and he was doing that as a true freshman so this um this we have a chance to have a really special player uh maybe a Smidge undersized i suppose but uh you know this this could be what we all maybe had hoped Odell Beckham would become uh Julio Jones knockoff maybe an undersized Julio in in that regard you know you can draw some of those comparisons as well but it's I, I think Jamar Chase is going to be special.
1: Yep, and a lot of his comparables uh, lend themselves to special, but a couple of busts as well. Uh, his SIM scores are 92 Kevin White, 77 Watkins, 48 A.J. Green, 43 Julio Jones, and 41 Jeremy Macklin. So some of the best players we've seen in the last 10 years and Kevin White.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, so I, I'm a big, big Chase guy here, and I, I honestly think that the, the two most likely landing spots are Dolphins and Bengals, And I think that both are, are great landing spots for him.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see to see where he actually ends up. I would really like to see a, a Dolphins spot, but whether the Dolphins get chase. We talked about this, you know, before I went on vacation, whether they get chase pits or um, or the Su- tackle. So, well, uh, they're not going to miss. I mean, they're really in a luxurious spot. They, they they're going to come on ahead either either way.
1: All right, let's go with your next pick.
0: All right, at six, I went back to the sophomore well. Uh, I think maybe someone that really has kind of still been slept on a little bit, I guess. Uh, Definitely has rised up a lot of boards, but T. Higgins gets to play with Joe Burrow for the foreseeable future uh, in an offense that's really starting to shape up, if you will. They do still have Tyler Boyd, which is probably a positive for T. Higgins. That draws some of the attention away. Ah, uh, you do still have Joe Mixon in the backfield, but um, we'll we get to see a, a, a healthy Joe Burrow again, and Higgins continued to build on what he did last year. And it, it you know, it took it took a little bit, but going back to his Clemson days, uh, coming out of high school, I, I was I was a fan. He was he was like my top ad everywhere in any Debbie league uh, that that season he came out. Um, you know, he went to Clemson. That was, he was my number one target. I, I thought he was going to be special. I thought he was different on the, the high school field. I thought he just looked like he was going to be a superstar and ended up finishing with a pretty similar season to CD lamb. He went for 67, nine Oh eight and six. So really, really strong rookie showing nothing to, to cry about there at all. And he looked good doing it. Definitely didn't, I wouldn't say he he flew off the page like Justin Jefferson did, but if you watched T Higgins, he looked the part. He looked like he was supposed to be there. It it didn't look forced. It didn't look like uh, you know he was he was only getting by because he was facing second tier you know d- defense or anything like that. He played the part. He looked good doing it. And this offense is, I think, just going to continue to get better.
1: So my one. I'm. I've also been a huge T. Higgins advocate. I drafted him in in leagues before he was even on the Clemson campus. My one concern from a team perspective here is that if they draft Jamar Chase or even even to a small extent Kyle Pitts, what does that mean for T. Higgins? Like, it do do the Bengals see him as a possible alpha in this offense? They've never really seen Tyler Boyd as an alpha. They've seen him as you know alpha B essentially, a beta. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's such a weird concept that Jamar Chase is in consideration for the Bengals because T. Higgins' Tyler Boyd is not a bad receiving core. Yes, it, it goes from a good receiving core to a great one if they add Jamar Chase, but it does seem like on a team that has a lot of needs, you know, filling you know a, t- a, a hole that doesn't have a ton of—that isn't necessarily there. So my question here is, what does it do to T. Higgins' 90s value if they invest in a pass catcher at five?
0: Well, I mean, it's probably going to take a little bit of a hit right away. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be more indicative of of Tyler Boyd's role on the team than it will with T. Higgins. Uh, I think they learned something when they targeted uh, T. Higgins last year and that it was going to go well. Um, And looking towards the future, again, you've been using the Range of Outcomes app uh, on rotovis.com. And I pulled it up. I typed in T. Higgins' name. I clicked on 2021 projections and are you sitting down, Nathan? I think you're sitting down. Let's, let's go, <laughs> I, let's go I don't
1: podcast standing up.
0: <laughs> let's, let's go down this list. Shall we 2021 range of outcomes projections here? Top, top of the line. We start with Stefan Diggs. Then we go Tyreek Hill, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Brown, DJ yes. DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson. Hold on. Keenan Allen, Will Fuller. Uh, I mean, the numbers say he's the guy. He's,
1: I yes, mean. The, the, but the, when we talked about it with Dave, Dave Caban, the one hole in the range of outcomes app is it doesn't look at the depth chart. It doesn't look at, you know, the changes on the roster. So the pretty 2020 season looks great, but will it be as pretty if they add a pass catcher? That, that's my concern. I love Higgins. I'm not selling him. But I think there's cause for pause with, the possibility of the pass catcher at five. Now the, if they draft Sue, well, I'm going to be doing a T Higgins dance party in the living room because if they draft Sue, well, that means that T Higgins is a, like a top eight dynasty wide receiver.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely, you know, the, the depth chart definitely matters, but also his, his 2020 for a rookie was good, but those numbers still aren't elite. And yet his projections look elite. So if you look at the 2020 matches for seasons, uh, from the past for someone of that stature. We're talking about the 2014 Sammy Watkins, 2019 DK Metcalf, 2012 T.Y. Hilton, 2015 Amari Cooper. So whether we're looking at the past or the future, we're consistently seeing big-time names and big-time spots. And uh, for me, honestly, uh, unless unless it's specifically Jamar Chase, I, I mean, it's taken against the moon. Even if it is Chase, it's probably a good thing. Because then, again he gets to work against the inferior competition and he's just going to slam.
1: All right, let's continue on to our next uh, selection. This is where I did see a bit of a drop-off. After the Higgins selection, I was like, where do I go here? This, this you talked about, you know, kind of a bunch group after Taylor. I think that Swift, Chase, Higgins might be a tier of their own. And then this is the, big, the bigger bunch tier after that. And so I'm going with the running back who I think is going to have first-round draft capital, who I think is going to have plenty of year one, uh, plenty of year one touches, plenty of year one carries, and it is Najee Harris, the man, that, like all almost all Alabama running backs is a freak, put up ridiculous numbers, was a ridiculous prospect, and is now going to be a first-round pick. So I I like Najee Harris here, but I also like am admitting that I would trade down from Najee to, like, four picks from now and take whatever bump I can get because I think that he and four picks from now are almost the same value.
0: Yeah, I I mean, the argument also could be made that we should have been taking him where we took Swift or, you know, or just after Jonathan Taylor. I I don't think there's a massive skill gap there. I, I think it's really going to come down to landing spot. And as much as everybody's like, oh, it's Steelers, Steelers, Steelers... I think that's probably one of the worst possible situations. You've got three big-time wide receivers. You've got a half-dead quarterback, and you have no offensive line. An offensive line that's been almost last, uh, or last, the last like four seasons, or something like that, something crazy. So uh, I think with Najee, it's going to be a, a big time. It's going to depend on landing spot quite a, quite a bit. But I do think he's right there with Swift from a talent perspective. Uh, I, I think he's he's probably about where he should be. But like you, I think if you can move out of a spot like this, move down from Najee into, uh, you know, even where ETN's probably going to go, it, it could end up being pretty lucrative if whatever bump you can get on top.
1: And looking at his road of his SIM score, he did not do any of the drills at his pro day um, because he had an injury shortly beforehand. He, he did. Uh, I you may or may not know the story, Dan, he, so his flight got canceled the night before the pro day. So, and he knew he wasn't working out. So he was just doing it for the way in and, you know, to meet coaches and stuff. And he drove from Texas to Alabama just to do that pro day yeah. when his flight got canceled. So uh, I, obviously that doesn't really factor into his, his dynasty value, just a fun little story. But, so we don't have 40 our code numbers, but when I put him at a projected draft pick at 24, his weight at 229, his, uh, road of his SIM scores are 80 Mendenhall, 74 Doug Martin, 54 Swift, 54 Jay Stu, and 49 Carrion Johnson. So a little bit of a mixed bag there, but all of those guys are guys that at one point had control of an NFL offense, had a
0: large chunk of an NFL offense. And that's what I see Najee Harris having. Absolutely. I- I'm right there. I'm right there with you. Um, so at eight, we're going to talk about another running back, but we're again going to go back to the sophomore. Well, uh, I here am going to take Cam Akers, someone who I have been very off of or had been very off of, really wanted to be proven that he could make that that next step. I always thought he was an unfinished product um, with kind of uncapped potential. I, I did think that kind of the sky was the limit for them because there was definitely an element of special in his game that you could see at Florida State and even for the first half, maybe longer of the season, you'd get a glimpse, but then it would just disappear. It'd be very inconsistent. And then we started to consistently see the guy that kind of everyone had hoped we would get. Um, And it's possible here at eight, getting a little bit of a steal, not considering, you know, anybody taking quarterbacks because quarterbacks aren't involved in this, but with, with acres there, obviously they get a, a nice upgrade in Matthew Stafford that offense still, you know, has has all of the weapons. Gets an upgrade at quarterback, and a, a team that's probably going to be the running the ball relatively often, often because of how good their defense is, and a team that's probably going to be ahead quite a bit. So he's going to get the carries. We hope to continue to see him get some some touches, some targets uh, from the back, you know, out of the backfield. But uh, I think Cam Akers is one of those guys that that genuinely proved me wrong on my initial uh, idea of what he was going to be in the NFL and the amount of time it was going to take for him to become what everyone else was seeing in those positives.
1: Well, you may be admitting some wrong here so far, but the, it did take him a little while to produce as, as a rookie. And so that definitely hurts his, obviously we're going through the road of this stuff because that's what we do on the show now. Um, But the range of outcomes app is not nice to one Cam Akers after his rookie season. Um, some of the comparables are 2014 Trey Mason, 2016 Matt Jones, 2019 David Montgomery, 2014 Jay Stew, 2017 Alex Collins. So a majority of that is not ideal, not great. Um, but that is mostly talking about a guy who di- didn't really was, – was hurt – and didn't really get the opportunity early in the season. We saw what he could do in the postseason. Slash, you know, and a game against New England. We got 171 rushing yards. So, Akers is and still uh, was and still is a uh, you know high upside play. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how he fits into a Matthew Stafford offense.
0: Definitely, definitely. And I, and I think one of the bigger reasons I, I think he got more of a boost. And yes, it was against two pretty bad run defenses. But what he did against Seattle and what he did against Green Bay in the postseason, I, I think, largely kind of proved my point that he could, or, or proved to me, not prove my point because it wasn't my point. It proved to me that he was more of a finished product than I originally thought. He, he had the the twenty carry, you know, back type of of, of look. So, uh, yeah, obviously the New England game was fun, but uh, I think the two playoff games proved more to me than the rest of his season combined
1: yep that makes sense now let's move on to the next one this is one that uh when i when we were running through it right before the, the podcast um you kind of like oh did we forget him <laughs> um and i think this is about where he goes obviously because we were the ones who made the picks but i selected with the next pick Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida. Many are pretty much regarding him as 1A, B in comparison with Jamar Chase, as he is now the third rookie off the board in this mock draft. Um, a lot of people projecting him to be a top five, top six pick. And, you know, his measurables are off the charts. His comparables are all, you know, <laughs> top tight ends. Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Eric Ebron, guys like that. And so I... I like, I like Pits. I probably won't end up with a ton of Pits myself personally, especially in the auction format, because I'd rather put my money elsewhere. But he—he's not a guy that I'm saying I am avoiding because he's not going to be good. He's a guy I'm avoiding because I don't like tight
0: ends. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially early on, you know. And, and I see a lot of talk of insulated value, and and guys aren't going to depreciate. I mean, the closest thing we've we could probably call to Kyle Pitts. Is Evan Engram? You know, Evan Engram was was really highly sought after. His rookie season, he you know blew up the combine and did all of this and all of that. Got drafted super high, and then just kind of didn't do a lot, but did enough. But we still saw his value tank a little bit. And then his sophomore year was again underwhelming. And then it was just kind of kept falling and falling and falling. It's not a steep decline. Like if you get a running back that blows out a knee or something, Uh, but it wasn't, it it was just a kind of a a, a slow fade off into the abyss. So I I wouldn't say that his value is, you know, it can't be impacted. Uh, If he goes to a crap spot and just doesn't do anything, his value is going to decrease. He, he's, it's just the nature of the beast. It is what it is. But I mean, yeah, the, he's a freak. Uh, we continue to see more and more of these guys coming out of college, the tight ends that are just superhumans. And the last handful of them, I mean, they've been really underwhelming. TJ Hawkinson, Evan Ingram, Noah fans been okay. Uh, you know, David and Joku, it, it's kind a, of a, the, a lot
1: of the guys haven't even been underwhelming, but they've been underwhelming because I feel like the, the projection on these first round tight ends are so high. Like TJ Hawkins has had a good NFL career so far. It's just when you're taking
0: top 10, it's like, OK, you have to be, you know, Gronk 2.0. Right. And that's my point. You're going to see a value decrease just because of perception. Uh, and I forgot OJ Howard, of course. All of those guys are kind of in the same ballpark. The big athletic super freaks that are supposed to change the game, big move tight ends, most have been underwhelming or fine, but the perception of it is that, well, that guy's, he, he hasn't gone for 1,200 yards and 15 touchdowns yet. So what what use of it is it to me? People like to panic more than they do to hold. That's It's the easier move. Get rid of them while they still have whatever value they have and move on to something different and prettier and shinier.
1: Alright, before we head into the home stretch of the first twelve picks of our mock draft, let's hear about ourselves, Rotoviz. Hey Rotoviz radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center Podcast. And I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, put the 12-month subscription in your cart, and use promo code RVRadio2021. That's rvradio Radio 2021. And
0: you're gonna save 10%.
1: Taking advantage of this deal, getting your hands on what's included in the package is the best way to enhance your performance this year. So go to rotoviz.com and subscribe now. All righty. That is the good stuff. Make sure to use promo code RV radio, 2021 Dan, I talked about this last week. Um, the rotoviz triflex leagues are now on the FFPC. I feel like, we're not going to survive between April and August without signing up for a Rotoviz triflex League because, I mean, we, we're just going to have to end up doing that, right? Who's,
0: who says we haven't signed up for one yet? <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you didn't tell me. Jeez. Hey, right. you know, I don't have to tell you everything. <laughs> I just have to tell you who I'm picking at number 10. Yep. Uh, so we just went through pits. So, quick, quick recap before we start back up at 10 here. Number one. Uh, C.D. Lamb, two, Justin Jefferson, three, Jonathan Taylor, four, DeAndre Swift, five, Jamar Chase, six, T. Higgins, seven, Najee Harris, eight, Cam Akers, nine, Kyle Pitts. And at 10, I'm going to take someone that I didn't think I'd be taking here at this point in time. I was, again, a poo-pooer, a naysayer. Uh, Antonio Gibson, uh, loved, loved, loved the potential as a pass catcher. Figured he'd slot in, no pun intended, as a slot receiver. Didn't didn't think the RB uh, designation would stick. And here we are a year later. Holy cow, (laughs) he looks really good in what was a pretty awful Washington offense. Uh, Obviously, you have Terry McLaurin. You've got a a couple of other young wide receivers that are still kind of, we're trying to figure out if they're any good or if they're bad or what they are. But you have Antonio Gibson. And we know he can do it all. And he wasn't even able to show us really everything because the because the Washington football team happened to have another running back that left the league in targets, which I never would have expected to see. I would have loved to see Antonio Gibson get more of those. He still got like 45 or 50 of them and did a little bit, but hopefully 2021 shows us uh, like, 70-plus targets for Antonio Gibson because I think that's where he truly thrives, and he looked really good between the tackles last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, m- much like DeAndre Swift, his main detractor at this point is his offense, and Ryan Fitzpatrick showed that he can make an offense around him, you know, decent, and they have some nice weapons with, with Terry McLaurin, and I think that they'll be investing at wide receiver or tight end in the draft beef up with logan thomas as well so i i think that this washington offense has some room to grow and that's only going to benefit antonio gibson i will say the one slight negative is that even if the offense does get better antonio gibson is not scoring more than 11 touchdowns so like that that's going to decrease and if anything i would say that Antonio Gibson might be a hair overvalued because of that 11 touchdown number. And that when he goes down to like six or seven touchdowns in 2020, 2021, then he might have his value slightly lowered, but that's really the only negative, you know, some touchdown regression that I can look at for Gibson and his offense isn't, you know, doesn't have some great promise long-term at the moment, but you know, there's room for that to become a possibility.
0: See, so, yeah, I actually think that the touchdown number is, Attainable. I think he's probably going to be in that 8 to 12 range because I'm not really sure the offense could have been much more underwhelming than it was last year. I don't know really how it gets worse. Um, I, I think that that number is definitely attainable to me. Plus, if you added anything through the air, I, I think we're looking probably at, at more of a, a total potentially closer to 15 than the 11. Okay, uh, to be completely you, you honest. Can't,
1: you can't be putting 15
0: touchdowns as like a median pro- projection, though. But if he goes 10, he only needs a few through the air, which, uh, you know, with with only Terry McLaurin really to steal targets and Logan Thomas, I suppose, you know, his, his role in the passing game has to grow. Uh, I would think he's yes, going to get yes, a couple. That,
1: that, that, that is one thing that could make up for if his touchdowns do decrease. There's no way he's leaving 2021 20, with only 36 catches. They're going to right. have to use him more. And also, it, the catches are going to rise and also the yards per catch because Ryan's, Fitzpatrick is going to use more wheel routes rather than, you know, dump passes to get a third and fourth, first down.
0: I mean, if you, if you set a line at 11.5 right now, I'd bet the over on touchdowns. On, on yards per catch? On touchdowns.
1: Oh, OK, I, I would take the under there, but
0: okay.
1: um, maybe we can make that wager at some point. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'll go to our next pick. And it is a, a man we talk. I feel like you and I are just talking about our Clemson fanboyness in, <laughs> in terms of Debbie Leagues. Granted, it's been a nice college to fanboy over the last few years. That's very true. And Travis Etienne is the next in line for the fanboy. And that is my pick. Uh, I was upset with him when he returned for his final season, especially when it ended up being a COVID season, like really like you're going to come back and do that. (laughs) But it was a very crowded running back class last year where he probably would have been between like RB four and RB six. Whereas now I feel like his floor is RB three with a likely draft position of RB two.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably about right. I think uh, from the sounds of it, a lot of uh, a lot of teams are really interested in Javante Williams. He seems to be moving up some boards, but I think I think what we've seen from ETN prior to the COVID season, I, I think a lot of teams are pretty set in stone that he's possibly the RB one, definitely the RB two. Uh, but I, you know, it, it's going to depend on it, you know only takes one team to fall in love with him. And it just kind of depends on where they draft him. I, I think he'll probably be in that early to mid-second range. I don't think he's going to go in the first like Najee Harris. More than likely will,
1: yeah, w- w- which is why Harris is three to four picks ahead of him in the in this mock. That the the floor is not there of a baseball. Like I feel like not Najee Harris's floor is probably like pick like thirty-five.
0: Yeah, like uh, DeAndre Swift, kind of. You know, yeah, very yeah. right right away in the second. I don't think he's going to be creeping into the like 70 range. I think he goes prior to that, but I mean that, that draft capital is somewhat similar. I would like to see him go in the top 50 for sure. Uh, or, or, you know, top 55, maybe, you know, the cam acres, the cam acres window, I suppose. But yeah, I think ETN definitely um, He he's more than, than talented enough to, to make it be a difference maker. We could be taking him, uh, again, in that swift, tanaji area in a year from now, he, he should be in that ballpark, but like you said, right now, he's got to be a touch lower just because he doesn't have the the first round floor. But it could also mean that there's potential he's going to a better team, a better offense, a team that's going to lean on him a little more heavily. Uh, but looking up and down the list, there's not a whole lot of really good looking landing spots.
1: Yeah, but I feel like Etienne and Harris are good enough that they'll they'll make their own landing spot. All right, let's wrap up today's show with the final pick of our first 12 picks of basically running back wide receiver tight end only from the 2020 and 2021 classes. Dan, are we going 2020 or
0: 2021 with our last pick? We're going to go 2020. I, I like the sophomores a little bit too much. I was stuck between a couple of sophomores here, Uh, ended up going with the running back, which isn't really like me, but uh, I think it's more of a ceiling play at this point, even though Brandon Ayuk's ceiling is super high. I, I did end up going with J.K. Dobbins just because I do think in that Baltimore offense with Lamar Jackson, and we've seen it, the running backs are thriving. They're going to continue to thrive. Uh, no more Mark Ingram. We do still have Gus Edwards to worry about a little bit, as he's been known to steal a a decent number of touches. But I do think that this is J.K. Dobbins' backfield. I think we continue to see him uh, take the lion's share of the work. And he's looked good enough doing it. I wouldn't say he's looked great. Uh, Definitely not on the Taylor or Swift uh, in, in that area. And I don't think he took the big step forward like Cam Akers did but I think we saw enough in college and uh, enough in the few carries that he did have as a rookie to probably be pretty confident that he should be in this range. Uh, You can make an argument, like I said, for Brandon, Ayuk. maybe a couple of the rookie wide receivers that, that have kind of slid down the list here a little bit, but I, I think there's so much upside here, especially considering the offense that he's, he's in to, to make this a pretty easy call for JK Dobbins.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like if you had told me we were doing this draft this time last year and that J.K. Dobbins would be in the Lamar Jackson offense, we'd be like, OK, well, he's definitely going to be like a top five pick in, you know, this rookie mock matrix um, this time next year. But he, he just didn't show quite enough. And the off Ravens offense took a step back overall with, with Lamar and. Um, His top uh, range of outcomes app comparable right now is Nick Chubb from 2018. So I think that is really how his route to success plays out is kind of playing that Nick Chubb role in the offense where he is the, the RB1. He's the guy getting all the carries. And if we just see any sort of step forward slash, you know, semblance of 2019 Lamar, it means that J.K. Dobbins is a top eight, top 10 running back.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I think that's a really easy projection to meet. Uh, like, like I mentioned before, there's so much production from that backfield just because of the nature of the offense that running backs should thrive. They, 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 will thrive. It's just it depends on the, you know, the the workload. Who's getting what? Uh, if he is going to be the RB one A, there, I mean, we should have no problem seeing. Uh, a low end rb1 season as a pretty easy floor to meet
1: yep for sure all right that should wrap wrap us up for this evening i think that the nitty-gritty will be next week because there is a large group of players you could pick with that 13th pick and we'll have you kick off next week with the 13th pick so we'll see how that goes uh any last
0: words before we head out dan no, looking forward to diving into that that next uh, group of 12. Like you said, that's a, it's a big group of a, a lot of uh, a argument you can make for any of them. Uh, and and it'll be fun to talk about the QBs a little bit too and and argue about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert.
1: What about Tua? <laughs>
0: no, I think he's going to be about seven down that list for me.
1: Yeah, Kellen Mond, then Tua.
0: There you go. <laughs>
1: That should wrap us up for this evening. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to uh, subscribe, rate, review, all those fun things. And uh, we appreciate you, and we'll talk to you guys next week.
0: Gotta hit him with it.
1: Kadoosh!